Is a work of fiction less valuable because it's pretend? Many would argue that way, but I'm wondering if two paragraphs of a 500-page book and a well-known historian might convince you otherwise. Welcome back to On My Walk, the reading podcast that helps you capture reading's aha moments and apply them to your life and leadership. Now, when I say welcome back, I guess I really should say sorry for leaving you wondering what happened, because I've been absent for the last five months. Well, I began On My Walk five years ago to help me process what I'm reading and to share some of those gleanings with you. And generally, I've been pretty consistent with that. I read 50 to 100 books a year, and I'm writing a book review for each, posting them to On My Walk, and then highlighting some of my aha moments on this podcast by the same name. But five months ago, I fell off the proverbial wagon. Now, listen to me, that's the writing podcasting wagon. No issues with substance abuse on this side of the microphone. Now, one can always find reasons or excuses for inactivity, but I'm not going to go there. I'd rather jump right back on the reading trail and share a few things that I'm observing and learning along the way. So, what are you reading? Drop me a note. You can send me an email to tommy at onmywalk.com and just take a minute, tell me the title of the book that you're reading and in two sentences, why someone should read it or not. I'd love to hear about it, and I'll share it with others on the website or on a future episode of On My Walk. Now, for my part, I'm reading Trust by Henry Cloud, and like all things Henry Cloud, it's fantastic. And you'll be hearing a future episode or two from that book. Just last Friday, I picked up Letters for the Ages, which is edited by James Drake and Alan Packwood, And the editors want to show us the private life behind the public image that is Winston Spencer Churchill. Just beginning, but I think it's going to be very, very good. And I'm reading, really listening, to The Girl in the Spider's Web by the Swedish author David Lagerkrantz. Now, for those of you unfamiliar with his work, This is book four of the Millennium series. The first three novels in this series were written by Swedish writer, journalist, and activist Stig Larsson. Now, you may have heard of the book The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo or seen one of the movies that have been spawned by that series. Interestingly, it's fascinating, the first three books, all written by Larsson, were written posthumously after he died. Now, Lagerkrantz wrote the next three books in the series, and Karen Smirnoff, the latest to come out in that series, which has come out with high praise. Now, together, they've sold more than 90 million copies, so we're talking about a very popular series in the thriller genre. Now, I find it interesting, and I don't know how this works for you, when people ask, so, what are you reading? And I tell them, I'm reading a novel. And sometimes I get a thumbs up, and sometimes I get that mild look of disdain. You, a college president, former pastor, would stoop so low as to read a novel? And some respond with, and not all by any means, but some will say, Well, I never read fiction. I'm interested in things that really happened, or some comment along those lines. And I get it. I love history. I've read thousands of pages in that arena Ditto in the arena of leadership, 
And since there's so much one can read of what is real or how to make the real better, why would anyone bother to read a pretend story? Well, I'm going to step aside for just a minute and let someone with a lot more street cred than me speak up to that topic. Peggy Noonan was a speechwriter for Ronald Reagan. She is a columnist for the Wall Street Journal. She's the author of nine books, has won the Pulitzer Prize for Distinguished Commentary, has been a fellow at Harvard, taught at Yale, worked as a producer for CBS, and taught journalism at New York University. Peggy Noonan is 73 this month and, ready for this, has not read fiction since her 40s until this summer when she read Leo Tolstoy's War and Peace. And in a column she wrote for the Wall Street Journal last week, My Summer with Leo Tolstoy, she writes, My mind went back to something George Will wrote about William F. Buckley, that later in life, He'd finally read Moby Dick and told friends to think I might have died without having read it. And Noonan said she felt the same way about Tolstoy's War and Peace. She writes this, It's about life, parties and gossip and thwarted elopements in the night, religious faith and class differences in society, men and women and personal dreams and private shames. And she goes on. And then she writes, don't be afraid to visit old worlds. I like that. Don't be afraid to visit old worlds. Man is man. Wherever he is, you can follow. Sometimes a thing is called a masterpiece because it's a masterpiece. Now, earlier in her column, Peggy Noonan wrote, From youth I had read novels hoping to find out what life is, what grown-ups do, how others experience life. Now, I wanted only what happened. What did we learn? How did it all turn out? But then, after about 30 years of no fiction, she entered a world. It was the world of Leo Tolstoy's making, and it transformed her. At this point, let me summarize and editorialize. Fiction is about the human condition. And it can open our eyes up to a reality, helping us see the truth about ourselves and others, even while employing the realm of make-believe to help us see it. So let me take you back to the girl in the spider's web and what caught my attention. David Lagerkrantz gives us Franz Balder, a brilliant, even world-renowned computer engineer who's been so busy chasing his own achievements that for eight years, he virtually ignored his mentally handicapped son, even going a year without seeing August, his son, at one point. But then, an event occurred that revealed August, who's autistic, is also a savant, that he's brilliant. And when Balder sees it, he sees himself for who he really is. Listen to this clip. Afterwards, he had taken the image away with him like a fine etching, and it was not until a few weeks later that he had felt the need to express it. The strangest thing of all was he had done more than simply reproduce the traffic light and the man. He had charged them with a disquieting light, and Balder could not rid himself of the thought that August had wanted to say something more to him than, look what I can do. For the hundredth time he stared at the drawings, and it was as if a needle had gone into his heart. It frightened him. 
He did not entirely understand it, but there was something about that man. His eyes were bright and hard, his jaw was tense, and his lips, strangely thin, almost non-existent, although that could hardly be held against him. Still, the longer he stared at him, the more frightening he looked, and all of a sudden, Baldur was gripped by an icy fear. I love you, my boy, he murmured, hardly aware of what he was saying, and possibly he repeated the sentence once or twice, because the words began to sound increasingly unfamiliar to his ears. He realized, with a new sort of pain, that he had never uttered them before, and once he had recovered from the first shock, it occurred to him that there was something contemptible in that. Did it take an exceptional talent to make him love his own child? It would be only too typical if so. All his life he had had an absolute obsession with achievement. He had never bothered with anything which was not innovative or highly skilled, and when he left Sweden for Silicon Valley he had hardly given a thought to August. Basically his son was no more than an irritant in the scheme of brilliant discoveries which Balder himself was busy making. But now, he promised himself, things would be different. He would set aside his research and everything that had tormented him these last few months and devote his full attention to the boy. He would become a new person. Did it take an exceptional talent to make him love his own child? All his life he had had an absolute obsession with achievement. Wow. And Balder has that parenting epiphany that just crushes him. When he realizes, and he writes, basically his own son was no more than an irritant in the scheme of brilliant discoveries which Balder himself was busy making. And I step back from that and I say, yeah, it's just a story. But in those two paragraphs, the author helps all of us who are parents stop and ask, have I been chasing a career at the cost of my child? What have I missed because I've been too busy? When was the last time I said, I love you, to one of my kids? Well, why do we read fiction? Read our article. Peggy Noonan would say, to enter a world, even an old world, helps us to learn to see life in all its complexity, to see a bigger context of a matter that we often miss in the soundbite world in which we live. She would say, read it to enjoy being unhurried when wrapped up in a good book. And I would add, read fiction to allow a writer to show us, with a good story, images of ourselves that no photograph can reveal. You see, in that moment, Professor Balder saw August for who he really was, and he saw himself for who he really was, and we're forced to stop and see ourselves for who we really are. And that's my aha moment. Fiction can help us see the world and ourselves, at times, better than any photograph ever reveals. So, pick up a classic or even a contemporary bestseller. Sure, it may be meant to entertain, but in showing you life, it may just show you a little better picture of you. And that's my thought on my walk with David Lagerkrantz and the girl in the spider's web. My question for you is, what will you do with that thought on your walk through life today?